Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. My guest today is none other than USA Today best-selling author Daisy Prescott. It's been over three years since the first time Daisy was on the show, and really a lot's happened between both of us uh, in our lives over those three years, and we recently were able to get together and meet up in Seattle and have some drinks and, and catch up. And then we thought it would be fun to do another show and kind of bring all the readers in on that and, and catch all of you guys up. And also, we're uh, launching our Hunka Hunka Burning Summer Book Giveaway, and it's all Daisy Bre- uh, Prescott's books this summer. And we're going to talk about that a little later in the show. But first, let's welcome back Daisy, and let's get this show started. Thanks, Daisy, for coming back on. Are you there? I'm here. Maybe. Oh, there you yep. are. Okay. You cut out there for a minute. <laughs> um, I Thanks for coming back. I can't believe it's been three years. That's impossible. I know. That's crazy. It's time flies. It just seems like, I don't know, a month ago or something. Definitely. I can't believe I have five books out and my sixth one comes out next week and it's just been crazy. Well, First, I want to say happy birthday. It was just your birthday yesterday, so happy birthday. It was. Thank you so much. Don't ask me my age. Did you do anything? (laughs) I would never. I would never do that. Did you do anything fun? Um, Well, I'm on deadline for another book, so I worked most of the day, and then my husband and I went to a favorite um, farm-to-table restaurant in Groton, um, Massachusetts, not too far from where we live, um, called Gibbet Hill Farm, and had a great dinner and lots of desserts, and it was really wonderful. Well, birthdays are really fun except for the age part. (laughs) Exactly. Those I can do without. Well, let's talk about... I'm all about having a cake. Having your cake and eat it too. Let's talk about your trip to Seattle recently because that was actually a really um, big event because it was something that you were wanting to do for a very long time. It it was. Um, I was invited to the Emerald City author event, um, and when I signed up, I started with the idea of having – you know, maybe one or two readers go to Whidbey Island with me for lunch. And we ended up with, I think, 16 people. Um, we took the ferries over. We took the ferry over and um, took a walk on Double Bluff Beach and visited Muckleteo Coffee Roasters and Langley and all sorts of places that are actually in my books, either with their real names or fictitious names. So it was really a cool event, and I'd love to do it again. So hopefully we'll plan something for 2017 or 2018. That would be really fun. It was it was a really good 
it was. I think we had like what three hours on the island, which is never enough. As you know, you love Whidbey Island like I do. You could spend a month there or a year there and not have enough time. So we did as much as we could in three hours, and um, I think people who had never been there um, really understand the magic that Whidbey and the people there, and just how beautiful it is. Well, I think it's really important. It it gives the the place becomes a character in your book. So when you're reading your books and you're talking a lot about this area of the Pacific Northwest, that when people go to Seattle and they take the ferries and, and then they go to a lot of these places that you described in your book, that place really becomes even more alive to them and their connection, not only to that place, but also to your book, I think, is, is deeper. Yeah, it's definitely a character. Um, the book that I'm um, finishing up right now, it comes out July 19th. It's called Anything But Love, and it's the third book in the Wingman series, which are all male POV, all set on Whidbey, all island guys, it's the heroes. And each one of the books I try to do different parts of the island. So John Day lives on Sunlight Beach, and Tom lives up on a high bluff, and Eric and his brother Cardo, uh, Cardo, <laughs> Carter live in the woods. Um, and so I try to, you know, just introduce new parts of the island. You know, it's not all the beaches. There are beautiful farms and beautiful forests and old-growth forests. So I try to incorporate those into each one of the books. Well, and you recently took a trip to Kenya that I want to talk about because you have also branched out in time, not only in the Pacific Northwest, but but you branch out to kind of other little regions, and you just went to to Kenya. And are we going to see any of that played into books in the future? Um, probably. <laughs> I don't know with my current <laughs> writing schedule, but I had about five ideas for different books, um, including a YA, kind of older, mature YA, like 17, 18-year-olds, um, not really new adult, and that idea might happen um you know it would be great to do another travel romance like missionary position um with you know an older character i can see that happening i mean kenya is just a magical place and i was lucky enough to visit um, one of my literary idols homes which is karen blixen's coffee farm um and that was just incredible and to see you know the desk where she wrote and a typewriter and some of her books um you know, as a kid, I saw the movie Out of Africa and have always wanted to go to Kenya ever since. So it was really a bucket list, dream come true kind of trip. And I'm already trying to figure out a way we can go back. <laughs> so maybe, maybe another reader? research trip or... Write it off. sorry. I said you could do a research trip and write it off on your text. <laughs> I could. Yeah, it's just, it's um, missionary position is set in Ghana, and that's um, the reason for that is I've been to Ghana, and and I could imagine you know the taste and the smells and the locations and everything, which is really important to me in writing. Um, so I get I can definitely see something going on with the Kenya story. It's a very different country, even though they're both you know equatorial. Africa, but and former British colonies, but there's just something really magical about Kenya and the going on safari and 
lots of chance for romance. So we'll see. Well, I, I think that we're seeing readers really take advantage of, of the books in a, in a long-term connection where they're not just putting the books down, but they're reliving the experiences by going back to these places that are in the books. And we're seeing it with yearbooks, people going to Whidbey Island, taking advantage of the uh, Pacific Northwest. I don't know how many of us are going to be able to go to Africa, but we can certainly most of us <laughs> over to, uh, to Whidbey Island. We saw it with Fifty Shades, uh, so many people coming into Seattle. Game of Thrones is bringing so many people over to, you know, Ireland and Croatia and, and different places where that's being filmed. So the reader is really looking for more of a long-term experience, I think, maybe than, than they did years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking also right now there's an author event in Edinburgh, Scotland, and I know so many readers and authors that will be doing Outlander tours. You know, they're they're looking for Jamie Fraser, and I can't blame them. And those books, you know, it's obviously the TV series has revitalized them, but those books have been out since the 90s. And when people think of Scotland now, they think of those books. So, um, you know, I think travel romance offers a chance for us to escape and travel to new places without leaving our, you know, the comfort of our, our homes. Um, it's something that yeah. I really enjoy reading, and and um, I'm adding a new location to my. Let's see, I have Whidbey, Ghana, that we talked about, and then um, I have a short. A novella that's set here in Salem, Massachusetts, that I'm going to expand this fall. Um, so that's another location that I think holds a lot of mystery and people are very attached to. And then my book that's coming out next week is set in Aspen and Chicago. Um, and Aspen's a place that I've spent a lot of time in. I have family there. I lived there, you know, for a summer when I was a, a teenager. And I'm also really, you know, fond of. Um, Aspen in the summer. So this isn't a winter romance. It's a summer romance um, and exploring what the mountains are like in the summer. Well, does, does, does that, I guess, knowledge, knowing that, that your readers are taking so much of a sense of place with them when they're reading your books, does it, does it put more pressure on you to really get to know the place or does it change the way you write at all? I don't think so. I mean, I certainly want um, to make the place interesting. I mean, the one thing about setting multiple books in the same place and having it be a character is I've got to keep it fresh in a way, um, which we kind of already talked about, and especially on Whidbey. Um, so it's kind of it's fun for me to write other places besides the island and then go back. Um, and it's, you know, like going back to the island in my mind and, and finding, you know, a new location um, that people might not know about. There's something called Baby Island off of Whidbey that's also mentioned um, in Anything But Love and the farms and the, kind of more the interior of the island. So always kind of thinking of it as a character and developing new aspects of that character or creating a new character with a new location. What was the what, – or, or was there – kind of one thing that you heard from your readers over and over again after leaving Whidbey that you were happy that they were able to kind of see the, through your eyes? 
Well, I think the thing um, that just blew my mind is that most of the readers only knew Whitby through my books. Um, and I ended up staying on Whitby for a week to write and do research and it, talking to friends and family there. And I said, you know, these people had no idea what it, what, what it was really like until they read my books. And then they came and they're like, oh, it's just like your books. And so the fact that I got it right um, was the mm-hmm. best feeling, you know, and that people, many of the readers that joined us that day want to go back. You know, they want to bring their families or they want to spend, you know, a weekend on the island. Or I've had other readers um, make plans and go to, you know, Whidbey and share pictures from the doghouse, which is still closed, and downtown Langley. And, um, you know, they find wishing rocks on the beaches. And just knowing that I've introduced people to this, you know, what I consider a magical place is just an incredible feeling. It is because... He, they, they have a saying when you go over there that um, Whidbey is so magical you can only get there by the fairies, and uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you know there's, there's lots to read into that, but 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 it, but it really is so true, true, and you really feel the magic of it when you're there. And I really had a great yeah. time, and thanks for inviting me. And I was it was a privilege to go along with everybody and and watch everyone kind of experience it. But really, my eyes were on you a lot because I was so happy for you and. And knowing that, you know, this had been a dream to take readers over there and watching that fulfillment fold right before my eyes was just really a beautiful, beautiful uh, experience and something that I will remember really for for the rest of my life. Thank you. Me too. I mean, I just, like, I I still get a little teary thinking about it. It just was was a perfect day. We had rain, we had sunshine. You know, we had time on the beach, and it just was everything I love about the island and being able to share that and bring it to life with readers who then, you know, told their friends about it. It just it was incredible, all because I wrote a book, and that's mm-hmm. just it's wild. Well, let's talk about Kenya now because it's kind of like the polar opposite of what you would think of with the island. Um, <laughs> And my big fear of going to Africa is getting eaten by a lion. I, I have irrational fears. Um, getting eaten by wild animals is really high on the list, like bears and tigers and lions. And I don't know what's gone on with me in a previous life. But anyway, that's like at the top, top, top of my fear list. So you didn't get eaten by a lion, and you came back. And did you see wild animals? We did, in fact. Speaking of irrational fears, I have to confess to my husband when um, we booked a couple nights at a safari camp, um, which is where we did all our game drives. And then um, it was this beautiful, you know, glamping tent with a bed and the mosquito netting. And But it was still a tent, um, just gorgeous. And it was the Fairmont um, Mara Safari Camp. And what they're known for is they're right on the Mara River. And I was like, oh, that'll be so beautiful. And I looked it up. The Mara River is they have resident hippos. And I'm actually terrified of hippopotamus. <laughs> and I know that if you look at them in, like, cartoons and everything, they seem really friendly, but they will tear you to pieces in a few seconds if you're in their habitat. So I was a little bit nervous about, you know, basically staying with the hippos. And um, when we flew in from Nairobi, to this basically dirt runway um, in a field with no, you know, one, not even like a permanent structure. And we get in our safari jeep and we meet our guide and we're driving. Um, the very first animals we see 
hippopotamus. <laughs> and then I have to confess because I'm getting really anxious and I have to confess to them and they all look at me like I'm crazy. Um, but living with hippopotamus for three days, I, I feel like unless, you know, I end up in the river, I'm not nearly as afraid of them as I was. Um, but they're really loud, and we saw, like, two of them fighting. And then the thing I didn't realize is that they're nocturnal. So, actually, at night, they're out on the savanna. So, you know, you just you don't leave the camp. <laughs> I would right. not want to run oh, yeah. into <laughs> Yeah, nighttime. Um, so, I totally get, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, um, no, we weren't eaten. Um, the hippopotamus were not nearly as terrifying as I thought they would be, um, but I still wouldn't go in a river where I could, I knew they were there. Um, so, yeah, we saw four out of five of the quote-unquote big five. Um, we didn't see a cheetah or a leopard, um, but we saw rhinos and we saw elephants and lions and um, wildebeest and water buffalo and lots of other animals. And um, one of my favorite animals, because I'm a romance writer and I don't think I even knew they existed, are called dig digs. And they're very small antelopes and they mate for life. So if one of the Aww. partner dies, the other one will die of a broken heart. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're very sweet. So I, of course, thought that was, you know, so romantic and, you know, mm-hmm. bonded animals. Whereas, you know, the lions, we saw, I think, six lionesses and only one male lion. So I don't think I'd want to be a lion. But the two mm-hmm. were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you talked about mosquito netting. Was was mosquitoes the problem in in the day, in the they night? Actually were. We, no, mm-mm. Um, the area, we were in the Masai Mara, which is the southwestern corner of Kenya, um, for most of our trip, and it was technically winter there, um, in the beginning of the dry season, and we didn't see a single mosquito, no mosquito bites. In fact, we went to the medical clinic, and they said they'd only had three cases of malaria in the area for, like, the past well over a year, maybe longer. Um, so very low malaria risk, which is not the case well, everywhere, but, yeah. No, no, we were just in Hawaii, and there was, you know, they have some huge mosquito thing going on. And um, I'm like, really, like in 2016? But, yes, yes, they did. Yeah. Were, were they used to seeing Western European-looking people and with, with red hair? Um, the red hair definitely stood out. Um, certainly at the safari camp, they catered to Europeans and Americans, although they were saying, uh, we were told many times that we should um, go home and tell people to go to Kenya because after um, Ebola, which was in Western Africa, <laughs> very far away, and um, people, you know, were canceled trips to Kenya. Um, and unfortunately in Nairobi, they had terrorist attacks shopping malls a few years ago and and people became afraid to travel to Kenya um, but now there's a lot of security if you go to a shopping mall um, your car is checked underneath your car is checked you go through metal detectors all of that so we felt very safe um, certainly in the more 
a remote rural area. Uh, we went to a market that is there are no tourists in the area. The people who do safari don't go that far east, and we were the only white people. Um, but again, we felt very safe, and it's just it's an interesting twist, you know. We're used to mm-hmm. not being the minority, but I have to say. <laughs> kind of a weird thing to say, but I always say this when I come back from Africa, I never feel more unattractive than I'm when I'm around Africans because they're, and especially Kenyans, they're just this gorgeous, gorgeous people, like beautiful skin and like they're, you know, athletic bodies and just tall and graceful and yeah, it's just, and huge hearts and smiles and I, we made some great friends and it was just incredible. Well, some of the pictures you put on and you shared with with your readers in on on Facebook were really beautiful, and it did show uh, really the the sense of community that that uh, the people of especially Kenya had, and it seemed like that you really picked up on that. Yeah, we um, another little shout out, and I'm kind of outing myself because um, I didn't tell anyone on our trip my pen name, but we were there with Me to We, which is the Canadian youth based. Um, NGO and they just do incredible work. They built schools and medical clinics and work to provide clean water um, to help people, you know, raise themselves out of poverty and education being the key. But if you don't have clean water and the girls are walking five kilometers in the morning to, you know, carrying 50 pound jugs of water, they're not going to go to school. And so they have five pillars of, um, support that these communities need and so we were part of that and we just got to meet incredible people and we met all these Maasai and Kipsiki mamas who are you know beading jewelry and then the jewelry is being sold and they're being paid for their work and able to buy a cow or a goat or vegetables or you know pay and most importantly for them pay their um, their kids school tuition um, or pay for the school uniforms and it's just it's an incredible organization and we were really honored to be part of that um but they do you know youth and family trips to kenya and we did some work um mixing cement one afternoon and i can tell you like as much as i complain about writing books sometimes being hard hand mixing cement is one of the hardest things i've ever done with you know a shovel and a hose (laughs) yeah it's Hard, hard work, and um, you know, it's. But you're building schools, and that's going to change lives. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure that was a fantastic experience. Were you able to bring any, like a, a tangible souvenir back that you can kind of hold on to or, or look at that that takes you back to that experience? We did. Um, we spent some time with the mamas, and they you know, would set us up to bead um, rafikis, which are one of their basic um, jewelry items. They're these teeny tiny multicolored beads, and you can wear them as necklaces and bracelets. And I've um, had them before, and I've given them away at signings or sold them at signings. And um, so we sat and beaded, and we ended up with a bunch of rafikis that we made. And um, one of the other gifts we brought back was from uh, one of our Maasai um, he was kind of a guard. He was the translator, uh, nature walk host, and many things. But it's called a conga, and it's actually a weapon. And when we were checking our bags, 
in Nairobi, they were like, you can't bring your congas on the plane. They're a weapon. And it's just a, it's a piece of carved wood with kind of a knob on the top, and you can throw them, or you can actually use them in kind of hand combat. Um, so that was interesting. So we both have those, and I think those are very special to us because they were given to us mm-hmm. by someone we now consider a friend. And But they're just mm-hmm. simple. They're carved olive wood. And so watch so out! I may be careful. <laughs> the next signing, I may have my psychonga right. with me in defense. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a bad review. I'm armed. Um, <laughs> well, that, that's great. Well, we're going to take a, a, a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to play a game. I want everyone really to listen to this because our hunka hunka burning book summer giveaway is based on the game that we're going to play with Daisy. We're going to call it Quickies with Daisy, and I'm going to ask you a bunch of rapid-fire questions, and you're going to answer, and I'm not going to expand on any of them. And then we're going to talk about your new release and let everybody know how they can win one of these great books that we're going to uh, be giving away through the month of July. So um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So stay tuned, and uh, get your pen and pencils ready. We're going to play a game.
and this is where we're going to ask her a bunch of rapid-fire questions, and we're going to get her answers. Are you nervous, Daisy? I am a little bit nervous, and now I have Elvis in my head, so I think everything's <laughs> going to be related to Elvis. <laughs> well, we're going to be keeping on Hunka Hunka Burning Summer Book Giveaway. We're going to be giving away four books, one every Tuesday throughout the month of July. Uh, when we were in Seattle, Daisy and I talked about this, and she uh, signed all four of the books, and she put a unique inscription into each one of them. So they're all different. They all have a different uh, something uh, special for the reader, so you'll definitely want to uh, try to win these. And they are the paperback version, so it's not a Kindle or anything like that. It's, you know, you'll have something tangible, speaking of tangible things, in your hand. So we have uh, Goey Dexter for Lovers, Ready to Fall, We Were Here, and Confessions of a Reformed Tomcat, and, and, Tom and that's what we're going to be giving away. All right, so here we go. You ready? Yep. All right. Do you have any secret talents? I don't think so. Oh, no, I do. <laughs> um, I rarely get lost. I have a really good sense of direction. And um, if I go to a place once, I can usually find my way back there again. What's the one thing you can't give up even when you're dieting? Coffee. If you could only listen to one artist for the rest of your life, who would it be? Can I pass? (laughs) That's really (laughs) tough. Um, I'm going to say the Beatles. Mm, good choice. Best meal you ever had? And I've forgotten the name of the restaurant, but it's in Brunswick, Maine, and we had like the 25-course tasting menu, chef's menu, and it was just incredible. So I'll look up the I'll look up the name courses. of the restaurant, and I'll tell you later. 25 courses, wow. If you could have lunch with anyone, well, each one, some of them were like little itty. Oh, oh, that that's okay. If you could have lunch with anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to say Karen Blixen. Okay. Least favorite exercise to do? Uh, running. Have you ever had an embarrassing encounter with a celebrity yes <laughs> do i have to tell you what it was <laughs> well that's up to you everybody's screaming yes but okay i'm changing it um i will tell. tell you um i'm not going to tell you exactly who he is but he was on party of five and this was many years after the show and i saw him at a party and a friend introduced us and i petted the lapel of his suit and asked him if he was wearing Tommy Hilfiger <laughs> Because the friend who introduced us worked for Tommy Hilfiger, um, and he had no idea, and was just really awkward. And I just turned around and walked away. <laughs> oh, that's funny! You petted him. Um, something you're an expert in. Sorry. Something that you're an expert in. Um, I don't think I'm an expert in anything. Like, I feel like I know some things about a lot of things, but I don't think I'm an expert in anything. Okay. 
who would you like to play you in a movie? <laughs> um, even though she's older than I am, I'm going to go with the obvious and say Julianne Moore. Okay. If you were to tweet something right now, what would it be? I heart Lori. <laughs> Good answer. Winner, ding, ding, ding. Um, <laughs> the last movie that made you cry. Um, oh gosh, I watched it on the on one of our flights. Um, okay, Dead Airspace. While I think of the name, <laughs> it was somebody, somebody, uh, and the dying girl. <laughs> oh, right there! I'm already crying. Like me, the dying Gus, girl, and the and the yeah, and the dying girl. Yeah, it totally made me cry. Oh, my goodness. Favorite song to sing in the shower? Um, Adele. Anything by Adele. If you could star in a Broadway musical, which one would it be? Uh, it's kind of my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, having to sing in public. Um, let's go with Rent. Okay. Is there any food you won't eat? There's a lot of food I won't eat. I don't, general categories, I won't eat organ meat. I will eat tongue. You see a theme? <laughs> yes, I do. And it's, it, it goes with the, my, my theme as well. <laughs> a celebrity crush you had when you were a teenager. Oh gosh, what what celebrity does, didn't I crush on? Um, <laughs> young teen would be well. Let's just say Robert Smith. <laughs> I was okay. a young teen, but yeah, Robert Smith. Okay. Your favorite book growing up? That's a really tough one. Um, I'm going to say Anne of Green Gables because I think I reread that one every single summer for many years. That's a great one. Your favorite song to slow dance to? Uh, I'm going to go with one of our wedding songs, and it was a special arrangement of Summertime. Here we know that hippopotamus. <laughs> My secret pair of hippopotamus. <laughs> uh, one thing you always have in your purse. Uh, some form of lip gloss or lip balm. Okay. Three things you couldn't live without. These are tough. I'm um, I'm gonna say books as one giant thing. Um, my computer probably, although I was computer free for two weeks and it was really nice. Um, and you survived. And my I did. And I'm gonna give the dig dig answer. I'm gonna say my husband. Oh, that's, I only have a couple more for you. <laughs> I'm gonna let you off here. 
let's see. Did you have a nickname as a kid? I did. Did I have to tell it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, so um, Daisy's actually a nickname from my early 20s. But when I was a little kid, I was called Frida for some reason. I think it has to do with the fact that I have freckles. <laughs> um, and, and we talked about when you've been on in the past about I've always loved that name Daisy because my grandfather used to sing that song to my grandmother when I was growing up over and over. I mean, it's just a huge, huge Aww. part of my memory is, is that song. <laughs> so I only have really good memories. But it's not about me. It's about you. So what is your favorite <laughs> go-to alcoholic drink? Um, lately it's been champagne or Prosecco, but I also like vodka. But I'm going to go with the yeah. bubblies. Okay. Right. So we're going to go with the bubbly. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what was I commenting about the vodka? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, who doesn't like it? Although, um, I, I will say, I was just at Trader Joe's yesterday, and, you know, I'm not going to check into places anymore because people start sending me their lists. Um, I I don't even know why I do check into places. I, I don't really even know. Um but so yes, I checked into Trader Joe's and I I I got a copy list of from about ten people if I could pick up different things. So um, I'm not checking in anymore. Not to sell. But anyway, they have this spritzer now. It's a cucumber spritzer, and I've always got the raspberry one. It's very low in calories. It's like a one calorie or something like a water, but it's a raspberry. Well, now they have a cucumber, and I'm going to mix that tonight with Hendrix gin on ice, and I think that's going to be yummy. So. It does sound yummy. I'll come over. I'm hoping that that's, I mean, please do. I mean, well, Joe has that big Scott collection. He won't let anybody drink, so we need to have more people over to help him uh, <laughs> utilize that. Um, your favorite non-alcoholic go-to drink? Um, probably, well, we already mentioned that I can't live without coffee, uh, but I would say tea, either hot tea. Okay. Um, iced tea, Arnold Palmer, things with tea. Um, when we were in Kenya, I fell in love with Kenyan tea, which is made with half water, half milk. And then if it's masala, it has like chai spice in it. And I drank tons and tons of that. And I've been making that since we've been home. Mm, that sounds good, especially it's been so hot. So that that sounds good. See, we're always looking, you know, well, some people are always looking for non-alcoholic drinks, so it's always good to include those people. I don't invite them to my house, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's, it's always good <laughs> to, to, to have an answer in case anyone asks. Okay, well, we're going to talk about so something out of that rapid-fire quickie with Daisy. Although they weren't very quick, but um, she, she, she likes to tease us a little bit in there. So but one of those answers that she has we're going to be using throughout the month of July, and you can win one of the books that we talked about. So we're going to start with each one of them. I'm going to let Daisy tell you a little, about, uh, a little bit about each one, and then we're going to talk about our new release that's coming out next week. So your first book out of the gate was Gooey Ducks Are for Lovers. That's, that was the first book I read, Fell in Love with You, Fell in Love with Wishing Rocks. Uh, I know that when we were on Whidbey, people were looking for Wishing Rocks. So tell us a little bit about that book. So Gooey Ducks Far for Lovers is a second chance romance, um, but it's more women's fiction with humor and romance. It's the story of a group of college friends who get together the summer before their 20th college reunion, 
um, on Whidbey at Maggie's Beach Cabin and kind of relive a lot of college memories and reconnect. And there is a second chance at love between two of the characters um, as well as, you know, the realities of being 40-something for all of the characters. I think that's a quick summary. Mm-hmm. It was very, very good. It uh, has kind of been one of my go-to books to give to people as gifts who are always looking for something to read, especially local. Um, people like like to read local um, as well, or they, they like to read something about some place that we were talking about earlier they might could actually go to visit. So um, Gooey Dex has been a really great, great read for me to pass off to other people. And then you wrote, oh, thank and you. I'm not sure that I'm going to do these in order, but the kind of the way they're just stacked up on my podium here. But so ready to fall. We'll talk about that one because we're going to give that one away as well. Um, so in Gooey Ducks are for Lovers, Maggie has a next-door neighbor named John Day, whose nickname is Paul Bunyan. He's tall, dark, bearded, handsome, flannel-wearing, real-life lumberjack. And he's also about 10 years younger than Maggie. Um, I always love when readers tell me, you know, they were rooting for Maggie and John to get together and gooey ducks. And um, readers really loved him, even though he has a couple small cameos. So I decided to write a book for him. Unfortunately, I had um, given him a girlfriend in gooey ducks. So it starts off with the cabin that Maggie owns is Um, He thinks it's empty because Maggie um, is spending the winter off the island and he smells smoke and runs next door and meets Diane, um, who is loosely connected to some of the characters in Gooey Ducks. And she is hiding out on the island after a bad divorce in New York City and they become friends. So it's a friends-to-lovers romance. Um, I'm now seeing other books about sexy lumberjacks, so maybe John Day has started a trend. Aha! Yes, which also was uh-huh. a very, very good read. <laughs> but that yeah, it's also my right? first, yeah, it's my first all-male POV, so we only see the story through John's eyes, which is really fun to write. And hard. And, and for guys who... don't think as much as women. <laughs> no, they <laughs> They're don't. just not like thinking, no, all, like overthinking don't. and thinking about their feelings. And so it was a challenge, but also really fun to write. I think we've, we've, I think we've talked about this before just between us, but um, my brother-in-law is a psychiatrist. So he's a medical doctor. He's a psychiatrist. He was an ER doctor for many years, and he moved into psychiatry. But anyway, he told us that, you know, um, Guys, all of these um, uh, like boxes in their head, you know, there's like the sport box, the food box, the sex box, the work box, the kid box, the wife box. And one of those boxes is actually the nothing box. And they can actually <laughs> open that box, and there's nothing in it. And they can actually stay there in the nothing, nothing. So when they say, when you say what are you thinking about, and they say nothing, they're actually telling you the truth they're in their nothing box but the women we kind of don't have all these boxes they're all just kind of like papers scattered all over the floor okay sports and we're doing all those things all at the same time kids we don't have a nothing that's that's a luxury we just don't have it's like a nothing box our, our papers are like scattered all over the floor so anyway i don't know if he's just like telling me that because he's a man and he's a very man but anyway it, it, it did kind of make sense to me 
So you are completely right when you talk about men think differently because I ask Joe all the time, are you in your nothing box? And now I, <laughs> I was actually thinking about nothing. And Mike said that, that uh, I have, you know, that I, I can do that. And I'm like, yes, and do that very well. Okay, so confessions of a, re- a reformed Tomcat. This one was also, I mean, I'm going to tell everyone that, oh, this was my favorite, this is my favorite. But they were all so good. I really loved them all. Well, thank you. Um, so Tomcat Donnelly is John Day's best friend um, and wingman and also um, he's a perpetual bachelor, a um, little bit of a man whore, very much a flirt. He makes John look stoic and boring. Um, and the one thing that's been off limits to him are dating any of his sister's friends. So, of course, he runs into Haley King, um, and there's an immediate attraction, and he's not going to give into it, not going to give into it. And, you know, lo and behold, he gives into it and gets himself into some trouble. And, um, yeah, it's it's a fun book. Um, he has all sorts of confessions and absolute truths about himself that, you know, may or may not be true. And he's just a mm-hmm. good... He's a good guy. His family loves him. Family is really impor- an important part of his book. Um, but he's kind of hopeless when it comes to actually being in a relationship. <laughs> and and um, he has a love for both as well. He has a love for what? Both. Yes, he does. And it's uh, has a very interesting and inappropriate name. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. That's right. And then the last one we're going to give away and is, well, I was going to say, I'm not sure I'm going to give these in exact order, but we'll we'll post them at uh, our Northwest Prime Facebook page with a question and a copy of the book that we're going to give away that, like I said, is uniquely signed by Daisy um, in each one of them. And we'll post those on Tuesday, and we'll give you all the way through the weekend through a Sunday because I, I know a lot of people listen um, in archives to to these shows. So um, we're going to post them on a Tuesday. We'll give you all the way to the following Sunday night to listen, and then we'll post it and uh, we'll uh, choose a winner and then send the book out and then post another question, list another book. We'll put a copy of the book up there. So that last one we're going to do is We Were Here. So And that's a prequel. It is. So um, – You've listed them in publishing order, um, and also Ready to Fall does um, come before uh, Confessions of a Reformed Tomcat if you're reading the Wingman series. And Gooey Ducks and Missionary Position are two of the books that are currently out in the Modern Love Stories. Um, And because Gooey Ducks is a 20-year college reunion and... New adult was a really hot genre for a while, and I kept thinking about, like, you know, what were these characters like in college? And there's, you know, a few pivotal moments that are referenced in Gooey Ducks that I thought, you know, that would be really interesting to write. So I went back and I took the characters from Gooey Ducks um, back to college. So it's set at Evergreen State University in Olympia in the early 90s. Um, It's told in seven POVs, and each POV has a playlist 
so the whole book is more like a mixtape rather than a novel. Um, the, we start freshman year, we meet Maggie, and we go all the way through um, to graduation, and each character has a section of time through college. So it's chronological, seven POVs, and you can read it before you read GUI Dex, you can read it after you read GUI Dex, but what I've heard from readers is that if you read it, then you immediately want to read GUI Dex and find out what happens. Um, okay. and it's, just, it's an interesting, so it's, it's different, you know, it's a different book for me. I had a lot of fun writing it. Um, you know, there's romance, but it's really the story of the seven friendships. So if you haven't read Gooey Ducks yet, maybe start with We Were Here and then go into Gooey Ducks. But if you have read Gooey Ducks, it's not going to hurt at all to then go back to We Were Here. Yeah, because you'll see, you'll, I can't, it's hard not to give spoilers, but um, someone is missing in Gooey Ducks and you get to know that person in We Were Here. And um, you also, like I said, there are some pivotal college moments that are, life-changing um, that are referenced in GUI Ducks, and you get to see them through the characters' eyes as they're happening in We Were Here. Okay. So those are the four that we're going to be giving away. We're going to start this Tuesday because I know a lot of people are going to be listening to the show over the weekend. Uh, and then we will post the question on Tuesday after the 4th of July holiday, and we'll continue every Tuesday after that. Those are the four books. But in the meantime, if you've read these books, um, Always recommend them to a friend. Always, always, always recommend. You know, in fact, <laughs> I even buy extra copies and I leave them in my trunk and then I hand them out to people um, when I'm talking about books after lunch. I'm like, oh, I actually have a copy here. So I'm like a peddler crack person, but <laughs> without the crack. Do you, keep them, do you keep them in your trunk? Can you, like, open up your trunk in parking lots and, like, bring people over? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, come here. Want to see something? I want to show you something. Want some candy? And you know, strangely enough, I've Do you like words? No. <laughs> no. Actually, our real on uh, Most of your listeners. That, that's oh, why I said yeah. that. I was going to say, most of your <laughs> listeners haven't met you in person, and so they don't know that you probably would actually do these things in real life. <laughs> I actually would do them. But actually, it started with our realtor on Whippy. I would tell her about your books, you know, and she's like, oh, I really like to have one. I'm like, as a matter of fact, I just happen to have one right handy. She's like, are you Daisy Prescott? I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. And I'm not her manager, but I really like these books. Anyway, so I always have several books. And um, anyway, so that's, that's a whole other story. But anyway, so let's talk about Anything But Love because that's coming out next week. And can people pre-order that now? Actually, Anything But Love comes out on July 19th. Um, and it's on an exclusive pre-order with iBooks up until like the weekend before. I'll do a short pre-order on the other vendors. But my book, Set in Aspen, called Next to You, comes out on Tuesday. Okay. And it's available for pre-order on Amazon, iBooks, Barnes & Noble. And I'm not sure if it's live yet on Kobo because it's Canada Day today. So happy Canada oh, Day right. to everyone. Um, and I'm not sure if it's live or it'll go live on Monday there. Um, and that's the one that's set in Aspen. It features a South African rugby player um, who plays for the local amateur semi-professional um, club in Aspen, and his next-door neighbor, Sage Bloom, who um, 
decides they they decide that they're going to date each other um, and pretend to be each other's boyfriend and girlfriend um, for various reasons, and it's the friends to lovers story. Um, it's just really fun, light, total rom com, and he's a hot South African rugby player with a man bun. So I hope people will try that one. It's new characters, it's a new setting. And it's live on Tuesday. Nice. How are are you able to get two books out in one month? That's just <laughs> you must just be overrunning with creativity. And because I'm insane. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I plan to release um anything but love in July and then this uh friend uh next to you is part of a series of standalone romantic comedies all around the trope of friends to lovers called friends with benefits. There are seven books. Um, mine is the last one to come out and they're on all the retailers. So if people go to Amazon and they see my book, they'll see a co-author name of Lucy riot. They can click on that and see all seven books. Um, and they're all 99 cents. And I was asked to be part of this project and I didn't want to say no. And, so I had been writing Anything But Love, and I stopped writing it to do this project, and then I jumped back in to Anything But Love. So its I've never done this before. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm going to have any sanity left at the end of July. Um, but it's, you know, it's great for readers. A lot of people are on vacation this month, so they'll have lots of Daisy Prescott books to read. Um, and I also have a short story, believe it or not, coming out at the end of the month um, called Two Wingmen and a Baby. So it's a future story um, featuring John Day, excuse me, and Tom and Baby Day. Um, And that comes out the 26th, and it's part of a collection of short stories called Red Hot Sizzle. So there are actually three things coming out in July. (laughs) Wow, three. That's that's amazing. Well, we're going to... Read them all. I'm going to read them all, and I will add them to my little uh, trunk stash. I actually have—I uh, don't have junk in my trunk. I got—I uh, actually got good reads in my trunk. So, um, if you happen to run into me, hit me up because I, I might have a book for you. So, yeah. Look, so for, anyway, look for Lori at the local Trader Joe's. <laughs> where I'm not checking in anymore because I'm not picking up. It, it's hard because people don't, you know, it, it's a, they're a lot of times ambiguous in their, like, description. It's like, I want the hummus, but not the hot hummus, but not the regular hummus. It's the hummus that they had on special. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no more, no more checking in. Uh, <laughs> As always, Daisy Prescott, it's always super fun to have you on. You're always a great guest. You have a great sense of humor. You love to play along. And I, I really appreciate it. was really fun to see you in Seattle. I wish we would have had more time. Uh, but we were on our way to a wine event right after that. But anyway, I, I, I can't wait to see you again. It's always, always fun to have you on. It's really great to see you and, and talk to you. And thanks for all of your support and enthusiasm and selling my books out of your trunk. <laughs> Not selling them. Yeah. them I really away. appreciate it. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> if you see Lori Ness on the street. <laughs> That's right. She has a book for you. Do I have a book for you? Uh, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, books actually do come up a lot in conversation. And 
and uh, and you know a lot of times people just you know I mean it's rude to like pull out your pen and paper and say you know you might want to just write that down so you don't forget that's rude <laughs> but if you pull out the book and just say I have to have an extra copy that's not rude that's being kind yeah. that's being a, a nice yeah. human and and, and if anyone is on with me. <laughs> If anyone is on Whidbey and they're in Langley, Moonraker Books um, usually has a couple copies of my books. So yes, they you can do. actually and buy my books about Whidbey. Yes, and it's a great indie bookstore. It's been there for years, amazing, run by amazing women, and support support indie authors at indie bookstores. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for coming on. Good luck with all these the, the new books that are coming out this month. And we're going to have fun with this contest. I just know it. And uh, tell your husband hi. And I guess we'll be talking online. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for having me. Great to talk with you. Great to talk with you, too. And that was Daisy Prescott. And, again, we will have the links up on our Facebook page, Northwest Prime, on Facebook. So go there. We'll be putting uh, the questions up soon. This is Andrew Landers from right here in Seattle and his Not In My Backyard. Thanks for listening. People down everywhere, no one seems to care. We walk right by the sense of dies and deny like nothing's there. Take our hands off covered eyes Our, our hearts are stone Might start to cry It's not in my backyard Love just look away You can't let down your guard You better play and stay Or you might fall into Someone else's bad day Sorry I can't stay It's not in my backyard Precious life won't get kissed tonight I guess you win some, some you lose Loose catch your smiles, dramatically pauses a while And moves on to the next story just for you Tell me again, what would Jesus do? In fact, what would you do? It's not in my backyard So I just look away Can't let down your guard you Better play and stay Or you might fall into Someone else's bad day Sorry I can't stay It's not in my backyard Living the dream while Africa screams We bow and kneel and pray and say God bless the USA Let freedom reign 40 million dead while we're sleeping in our beds 8,000 a day we let pass away As death runs through their veins It's not in my backyard So I just look away You can't let down your gun You better play at the safe You might fall into Someone else's bad day Sorry I can't stay
backyard. 